what's your current relationship status with Jacob Markstrom? 960-960 on the text line. There's a lot of good ones here. Strained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's rocky. Yeah. It's definitely rocky right now, your relationship with Jacob Markstrom. At the bottom of the hour, Charles Davis, um, NFL on CBS, get his thoughts on the Super Bowl. Look ahead to the um, NFL offseason. I, I, I'd imagine that Aaron Rodgers is in his dark room right now. Like his all black, <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's probably room. out there right now getting ready. What? Like, are the windows blacked out? There's no sunshine either. It's just nothing. sheer it's blackness nothing. all it's, the time. He's got a hole. There's a hole in, like, the door slot where they'll give him food halfway through. It's four days. Like he's in solitary confinement. Essentially, like yeah. He's in, he's, he's in the, he's in the like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Matt Marchese, producer of the Jeff Merrick Show. I believe he's hosting the Merrick Show today. That's pretty so sweet. Join us at 8 o'clock, yeah. And, uh, we won't hear Giggity. about Tim Bucktooth from 1912. Hey, no, no. Random player of the day might, is still going on. <laughs> we might hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, and <laughs> Zarly Zalapsky yesterday. Oh. Yeah, I like double Z, Zarly Zalapsky. Shout out to and Zarls. And Merrick said, it's like, nobody ever said Zalapsky. It was always Zarly Zalapsky takes the shot. It was never just Zalapsky from the point or something like that. There's a That's couple a names point. like that that are around... I, I was thinking about a, that have you ever recently. Met a Zarly in your life? Uh, I actually have. You met a Zarly, actually. Get out of here. Yep. Um, the better half is from a little bit of a small town up north outside Edmonton, and we went to uh, uh, an old acquaintance's wedding, and there was uh, an old high school pal, Zarly, who is a professional bull rider. No way. Not a word of a lie. Must have a good back. He was hit. a Zarly. He was a yep. large man. Was he one of those bull? Did he wear a helmet when he did bull riding, or he I, just wore a hat? I really doubt it. He didn't look like okay. my, you know. He didn't really put on much of a show at the wedding. Unfortunately, yeah. he was, you know, just doing listen, normal stuff. Listen. But when a guy listen. shows up in the old cowboy boots and jeans and the yeah. Canadian tuxedo to the wedding. You're like this guy. This guy means business. This guy's serious. This Listen, guy that's just not. This guy does not you're goof ride around. Those, you're gonna ride those animals. That's respect. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you and I guarantee Zarley has a grip that can break your hand on a handshake. Oh because... yeah. I didn't even bother. He would put his yeah. hand. I no, thank you. I these dainty now, things. Just, no, they don't belong. I just always wondered. I always wondered what led you to be a rodeo clown. Like what path in life? Where was that detour? Yeah. What, what was the like? What was the other what? choice? I, yeah, I always, I always wanted to ride the bulls, couldn't get there, so I'm just going to distract them. <laughs> Try and not get gored by them instead. <laughs> yeah, I just never but, understood that. But get kind of close to getting gored by them, but not totally, yeah. and maybe hide yeah. in a couple barrels. Yeah, I just, I guess you grow up around it. I don't know. I would have to assume, like, I don't think you you find the listing on Indeed. Like, do they, they don't have retired bull riders doing rodeo clown, right? <laughs> I don't think you can do a whole lot after you retire from bull riding. Like, that yeah, t- that's a lot of wear and tear up. on the body. And those yeah. guys, those rodeo clowns got to be a little nimble. Like, it's, oh, it yeah. pro- you probably, like, if you're talking about, like, elite footwork athletes, it's probably defensive back in the NFL, like a corner, 
Um, maybe, maybe in the outfield of baseball because you got to make sure those first two steps are good if you're chasing anything down. And then rodeo clown. I think it would. I think it would be a close third. Okay. For your dexterity and your footwork. Yeah. It's just uh, the 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 bull rider's off. He needs to be, you know, runs to safety, and then you dive in front. You're the, you're the barrier between the gigantic bull. Yeah. And the rider. Yeah. Dressed up in a clown outfit. Yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. What could and go why, wrong, George? And why a clown outfit? Does the bull get afraid by the clowns like a lot of people do? I thought it was kind of like a um, like uh, you know the running of the bulls. Uh, the Olay guys, you know, when they have the the red the red blankets, and the well, clowns red, have red in their getup. Yeah, I assume red apparently is yeah, it angers them. Yeah, I just think that they've got a lot of colors, so that the bulls kind of notice Man, them more. When you see some of those uh, those bulls videos colorblind? when they run the bulls, and some dudes are just getting chucked like nothing. Oh yeah, they're just absolutely tossed. Um, wow. That's, uh, yes, uh, bulls are partially colorblind compared to normal humans so, okay yeah <laughs> okay so yeah the colors that's that that stick out <laughs> they're colorblind to yeah, red yeah, okay they, they excite, it psychs them you know i just feel bad for the bull like how they make them angry yeah that's not yeah no I'm, I'm, it's not too. good it's, i take I, I would be angry also <laughs> it's one thing you don't want to disparage the rodeo out in these parts not a fan never have been a fan of it that's just my okay. two cents. I'm not like again. I, I again, it takes a lot of stones to jump on that bowl and hang on for eight seconds. Um, Flames lose four three in overtime last night in a game that uh, oof, that was a tough loss. That was a tough pill to swallow. Um, I we we've given our intern John uh, ample time here because we've had the Jacob Markstrom conversation. What's your current relationship status with Jacob Markstrom? Nine sixty, nine sixty. Um, intern John, did you figure out how many goals he's let in in the first period in the last ten games? Yeah. So in the last ten games, Marstrom has let in fourteen first period goals, with the highest being the Avalanche with three in the first. Okay. So for do you know does he let one in on pretty much every game, or how many did he not let one in in the first period? Two games he did not let in. Ooh. So eight out of ten games, he's let a goal in in the first period. Correct. His last ten starts. Okay. Um, pretty much on par with what we thought. Slow starts for Jacob Markstrom last night. And Maddie, you brought it up in yep. the six o'clock hour. Uh huh. And you're you're not wrong. You said that this isn't all on Markstrom. They've had they had some breakdowns there uh, towards the end of the game, and especially that opener by Brady Kachuk on the stretch pass. But man, you gotta have that one in overtime. Like that's a stinker. That's one of those where all the guys on the flight home are like, "Man, you, you gotta make that save." Sometimes you got your goalie's gotta bail you out once in a while. And I think the most jarring stat of the season so far through fifty-four games for the Calgary Flames, not one shutout. And I also saw this stat. Want to get your thoughts on it, Maddie and Patrick Dumont? Sure. Uh, most one-goal losses in the National Hockey League this season. Stars and Rangers have 14. Flyers and Sharks have 17. Calgary, 20 one-goal losses this season. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a problem. There's two things that I'm going to look at in, when the season ends and however it shakes down. Like, 
Whether, it's how they lose all these overtime games? Well, it, it it's two things. That's one of them, for sure, because now they're up to, what, nine overtime losses? That's nine points on the table. And when you're talking about, you know, nine, the difference between getting in the playoffs is, what, 95 to 97? Yeah, you'd like a couple of those back. Um, but the one-goal games is something, especially early on in the year, where... And, and it's something that you're like, okay, yeah, all these one-goal games, perhaps they prepare you for the postseason, but further to what you've been saying all year long, George, you still got to get in, right? So, man, it's... <laughs> I do wonder what Brad Living has up his sleeve, what he wants to do, what he would like to do, but at the same time, what his team told him he should do, because that's something that the general manager has said around trade deadlines a lot in the past. You know, he... He's a guy who takes his cues from his team. And this year, I don't think the cues have been go get Pat Kane, go get Timo Meyer, go get somebody like that. Yeah, but okay. But the effort's been there the last few games. Outside of that game in Detroit, maybe yeah. they didn't look dangerous. But, but yeah, neither team, team looked really dangerous in Detroit. It was just a blah game. Yeah, it was just a blah game, and I get it. And they peppered Huso with all those shots, so none of them looked dangerous. But last night, for what, at least 50 minutes of that game? Yeah. They played excellent hockey outside of that stretch pass to Brady Kachuk. I think, like, it, yeah, the six like out the of ten points. There, yeah. The effort was there Saturday afternoon in Buffalo. The effort was there, you know, against the Rangers in that crazy game. Oh, but just riddled with mistakes. But the effort was there. Like the team, Daryl is getting, and I know people don't like to praise Daryl in this city now because <laughs> apparently he's he's one of the biggest factors of why this team is fighting for a playoff spot. But team's been ready to play, and he 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 was right. They played good outside of that collapse at the end. And I keep harping on the same point. Sometimes your goalie's got to make a save, and he's got to bail you out. And the fact that this team doesn't have a shutout through 54 games is very jarring. Like, not one shutout. A Daryl Sutter team that's defense first, limit chances, a team that's all about, you know, limiting shots on goal, uh, peppering the other opponent. Uh, That was another example last night. We talked about it earlier, 16 minutes between shots for the Senators, and yet this goaltending tandem has yet to get one shutout this season. The other thing, too, is, is incredible. like, has it ever felt like they were even close? Like, you know, sometimes, no, like, a guy will go through thing. a game and, and there will be a goal that gets scored in the last five minutes, but it makes the game, you know, 5-1 instead of 5 nothing, yeah. And you're like, oh, all he was doing was chasing the shutout, and that's disappointing. Like, it hasn't felt like there's ever been a game that has been in control like that, and all that was left to do was secure the shutout for your boys... The entire like a rocking like, chair win. I wouldn't be surprised if if the team did not enter the third period not allowing a goal this year. I guarantee, I guarantee you they do not have a shutout entering the third period. Wow, that's a good stat. Intern, back on your horse. Got it. That's oh a boy. Dig, you got dig, <laughs> that one. You got get your notebook out. Four games. <laughs> I, I I bet Maddie, but that's exactly it. Like how many times you got oh four nothing? Then got goalies having a hell of a game. You want that shutout? And he uh-huh. lets. Let's in one with like a minute left ruins everything. But yeah, right. I don't think that's ever been a, in a case this year for the Flames. Uh, intern John, can we put him on the on the air again? He's getting hello, a lot of air hello. time today. Yeah, he's getting um, getting the workout. I uh, again, I appreciate your work so far today. I'm looking forward to your uh, crazy stat. Maybe that can be your crazy stat in the eight o'clock hour. 
is how many times the Flames have had a shutout through two periods this season. Can okay. Can you do that? Gotcha. All right. You have like a you have like an hour to look that up. <laughs> okay, to perfect. Scour through fifty four games of action. Here here's an easy one for you. Uh, last night and Saturday <laughs> wasn't the case. <laughs> Or yeah. or Friday or Thursday. Yeah. Actually, the last four games, mm -hmm. none of that was the case. Yeah. On this okay. road trip, they no. let in a goal you, in the first two periods. You might right, want to start to at the start at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And work your way through it. Yeah. Your okay. way through it. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't work backwards. You'd be wasting a little bit of time off the top there. Yeah. Okay. Certainly right. hasn't been recent. Tell you that for free. Okay. Uh, great job, John. Uh, intern John. And uh, you still got to pick your Michael Bolton song that's going to be underneath while you give us the stat. Because it makes absolutely no sense because we love love here. You want to get to some text messages before we get to CD? Yeah, I got him in texty if you want to hear him. Oh. oh. Look at He's doing three jobs today. Look at the guy. No problem. All right. Texty McTexterson, our Sportsnet 960, the fan text reading robot. Uh, we'll mix these in throughout the program, too. Um, what's your current relationship status with Jacob Markstrom? Oh, texty. Adam in Calgary, friends without benefits. <laughs> so nice. just friends. Yeah, just okay. friends. Okay, makes sense. Dustin from Airdrie, handing him divorce papers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. That's a tough one. Rob in Airdrie, current That's relationship cool. status with Mark Strom, ghosted. Ghosted. Oh wow. oh, wow. Just not breaking up, just I'm just done talking to you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Not even going to let him know. Corey in Calgary, my current relationship status with Jacob Markstrom, we are on a break. <laughs> like a Ross and Rachel break? Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah. All right. That always turned out well in the end. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> James at the CP rail yard, my relationship status with Markstrom is widowed because he is dead to me. I will not watch a game he is the starter in. Oh, okay. All right, James. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> All right, uh, one more here. Emmett in Renfrew. I can't afford to divorce Mark Strom right now, so I guess it's time to cheat on him with V Ladder. V Ladder. Maybe put Mark Strom's profile on NHL GM Mingle and see if anyone is interested. Time to cheat on him with Vladar. 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 I like Maybe. that. Like I can't, I can't lose half my assets. I'm just gonna go do have have something on the side here, a side piece, if you will, and it's Dan Vladar. <laughs> Interesting. And I'm sure he has his eye on uh, Matthew Wolf from a distance. Dustin. Sorry, Dustin Wolf. You always get well, him. I keep saying Matthew the golfer. Damn it. And he's gone to live. Like, who cares? <laughs> I know. And he has that quirky swing. <laughs> yeah. And he's got two Fs. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. There's one Blue Jay I always. Oh, um, Danny Jansen. You know how many times I've called him Casey Jansen, the oh, former Blue Jay? Casey yeah. Jansen. <laughs> former closer. Yeah. Like a million times. He was an all star. Like. Well, at least Wolf isn't up with the big club, so it doesn't happen yeah. as much. <laughs> yeah. But how many times have I called Danny Jansen Casey Jansen? I'm like, idiot! <laughs> now I just want to know which one of these awesome live teams Matthew Wolf is playing for in the Ooh, upcoming season. Like, um, um, how dare you? Uh, Bubba Watson's son was like, I knew when my son had an Aces T, it was time for me to, go <laughs> to live. 
It had nothing to do with the tens of millions of dollars the Saudis were giving me. My son. My son yeah. had an Aces tee in his room. Yeah. It's, uh, and that it... made me say, he loves live. Uh, yeah. I have to go. He loves that money. Yeah, is it the High Flyers? It. Is that where Matthew yeah. Wolf's uh, That's where he, he played last year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. He loves watching a rerun of Charmed and then watches <laughs> live on the C-dub. <laughs> he loves it. Can't get enough Just of it. love that live. Yeah. No, he's, he's still on the high flyers with uh, team captain Phil Mickelson and uh, Burnt Weisberger. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Love it. He loves it. <laughs> Phil Mickelson lost a lot of LBs. You see that? Yeah, he looks scary. <laughs> yeah, he looks gaunt. Does he look like Madonna? Uh, no. no. No, Madonna doesn't look like Madonna. We've, we've already established this. I'm I'm not getting in this boat with you. Uh, we gotta Why? get Charles. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy who rips on Madonna. That's not my place. Well, because she doesn't look like Madonna anymore. Why? I'm... Who's ripping on her? <laughs> not doing it. That's not okay. something I plan on doing. Again, it's not a hot take. Like Madonna could not win a Madonna lookalike contest now. That is your much like Kenny Rogers near the end. Yeah. R.I.P. Sure. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Did not look like Kenny Rogers. Madonna does not look like Madonna. She is 64, though. God bless her. All right. Uh, more of your text messages throughout the show. Uh, your current relationship status with Jacob Markstrom, 960-960. We'll talk to uh, our man, Matt Marchese, at the top of the next hour. Uh, we'll check in on spring training with Shai Davidi and the Blue Jays at 830. But straight ahead, we'll wrap up the Super Bowl with our man, Charles Davis from the NFL on CBS. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. NFL analyst for CBS Sports on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Park as Hotline. We say good morning to our man, Charles Davis. Charles, how are you? I'm doing well. Happy Valentine's Day, gentlemen, and to all out there. And I wish everyone could be with the one they'd want to be with today. And those who can't, feel feel for you. But I do love that you came in with You Can't Hurry Love. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, that was the Rod Stewart rendition there. Uh, I think it was Phil as Collins. opposed to or was that Phil Collins? Okay, yeah. Phil Collins as opposed to um, the Supremes. So there you go, nicely done. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big Phil Collins uh, fan. There, Charles. What's what's the one song? What is your go to like sappy song that you like? We all have one that we don't like to admit. Can you admit to one in our listeners to Calgary right now, Charles? Yeah, it's probably one many wouldn't know. It's done by the Elgins mm. in the 1950s. Mm. Heaven must have, heaven must have sent you. Oh, okay. Okay, like so that. check that out sometime. I think you'll like it. Okay, I absolutely. And today's the perfect day to do that as well. Um, mine's maybe may be my baby by the Ronettes. That's a great band. That's a band. Uh, oh, 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 you want Ronette, Ronettes? Yeah. Be my that's, that that's strong. I, I gotta yeah. admit that's that's a strong play right there. I, I I brought I brought you something that might be a little more obscure for people, but trust me, if you play, heaven must have sent you for the one that you care about. If they don't swoon, okay, then you can you you just call me later and and, and say man. We're done with you. We're absolutely done with you. So, <laughs> um, Charles, you've had a little more time to digest 
what we saw on the Super Bowl on Sunday night. The one thing I can't wrap my head around is a team that had so many sacks, a team that we've talked about yeah. all year with this vaunted defensive line. How did the Eagles get to Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night? Yeah, it's a great one, isn't it? You know, we it's so funny. As, as we talked about before, I was fortunate enough to do the game for international broadcast with Ian Eagle. And for all those people in, in Bangladesh and Bulgaria and Switzerland who are discussing it today and wondering what we were talking about and how it went down, we we mentioned that at one point in the broadcast. And I said, you know, this is a true turnaround because the number one sack team in the league were the Eagles. Regular season added to it in the postseason. The number two sack team was Kansas City, but it was a big gap between the two. It was actually a 15-sack gap in the regular season. So it was a clear the Eagles were the pass rush team, but didn't mean Kansas City was bad at it. But you would have figured, as you are starting out here, Eagles would have had a night at least gotten to Mahomes at least once. They don't get to him at all. You know what the weird part of the night was? Kansas City had two sacks on the night, but in neither sack did Jalen Hurts hit the ground. Both of those were on scrambles, pursue it, and he goes out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage with a pursuer, and that counts as a sack in NFL stats. So the Chiefs got two sacks a night, Philadelphia none, and no quarterback hit the ground with a sack involved. Very, very strange night. Here's 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 why I think it went down this way for Philadelphia. Kansas City ran the ball surprisingly well. Better than expected. I'm not saying that they dominated them in the run game, but think back in your mind the number of runs that Pacheco had, the key run that, 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 that I think Jarek uh, McKinnon had when they, they had that third and one and they went to an old school, both running backs with their hands on the ground down and they ran an old Lombardi sweep and Pacheco almost broke it for the house. They had enough of the run game in there to keep them at bay a little bit. To say, that means Mahomes isn't throwing totally out of third and 15. You know what I mean? The second part was the field. There's no getting around it. Mm. When you are a pass rusher and you rely on that, that sprinter stance and coming out of the blocks and turning the corner, because most of their pressure in terms of sacks is going to come from the edge. Didn't mean that they can't get it. Hargrave, the tackle, had 11 on the year, right? Fletcher Cox had, had eight when you count the playoffs. So not that they don't bring pressure from inside, but the bulk of it is Hassan Reddick with nearly 20 sacks on the year off the edge. Josh Sweat with double-digit sacks off the edge. That's where their pressure comes from. You go back and watch the game, the field did become a factor, which Kansas City talked about going into it. You remember Kansas City said, oh, you remember we were here week one and we hated this field. Hated it. We lost Trent McDuffie, our rookie with a hamstring. Our kicker, Harrison Bucker, turned an ankle. Blah, blah, blah. And everybody said, don't worry about it. It's a brand-new field. They've been culturing it since the Fiesta Bowl. It's been done right, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out to go down the tube. So I did see my colleague Ian Rappaport said something about the halftime show may have contributed to the second-half problems. All that being said, it wasn't a track conducive to pass rushers getting around the corner. Because remember, the Chiefs, they're two, pass, they're two sacks. We're just simply chasing the quarterback. And they went down to sacks, but they never put him on the ground. Okay, now Charles, now my now my betting brain has taken over with what you just said, because yeah, obviously uh, you could see even at the halftime they were talking about maybe cleat changes for the players. Yeah, yeah. But now all of a sudden next year the Super Bowls in Vegas where they have a similar yep. setup to they do at State Farm where they roll the the field out and they roll it back into the stadium at Allegiant Stadium. 
So I'm taking under yeah. in total sacks at next year's Super Bowl already without <laughs> even looking at it. Well, we haven't found out who the halftime show is and how much stage there will be. Okay. Right? Because I'm sure it's a big Rihanna stage, stage, though. Regardless of who Rihanna, it is, Rihanna stage had a bit. Rihanna stage took a lot of field surface. But I will say this: think to yourselves now, very quickly. You did hear about complaints about the Cardinals track during the year, correct? Like it wasn't just like we got to the Super Bowl and oh my God, what happened to this field? People talked about that that surface throughout the year. I have yet to hear anyone complain about Allegiant Stadium and their surface in the time okay. the Raiders have played. But 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 I heard so we'll I've also see. heard many times that the players like the field in Arizona because it's soft. Yeah, and it, you know, but but it's been funny since they started having training camp there because the, the Cardinals never had training camp there. They always went somewhere else or had it at their facility. But they started going in there to beat the heat there, right? You know, you go inside and you're not you know as drained and as sapped. The people have said that there's been more complaints about the field since they started doing that, maybe because it's getting more used. To, but the weird part is it is built that you can replace, you know, turf as it, as it wears out. These things are all in trays that go together in, on a track, and then you run it in as you described. So I can't begin to tell you all of that. I'll just put it to you this way. Agronomy is above my pay grade, all right? <laughs> but, I will, but I will say there are times – there are times when I'm puzzled by what I'm what, by what's happening. I am puzzled that we would have any field issues on a state on a field in Arizona. Right. All right. Because I don't think you should have any problem with getting enough sunshine and what you need to do out there to get your field ready. What's really throwing me off is I just heard that Tennessee, the Titans, are switching to a artificial turf field next year. And there was a quote out of there saying, yeah, it's a little difficult to grow the grass here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was like, well, excuse me? <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee, we're having problems growing grass? I mean, I, I could understand if I was calling you guys and saying, hey, Charles, you know, in Calgary, it might be a little bit of an issue, right? <laughs> Nash- Nashville, Tennessee, someone with a straight face said that's the problem. Mm. Now agronomy may be above my pay grade. But now I'm going to pay someone to give me some answers because that makes zero sense to me. Yeah, $800,000 what they paid for that field for Super Bowl yeah. 57 too. Like, Come on. my goodness, that's a wild, wild yeah. turn of events. Can, 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 can I leave it at this? Please. Every year, there's a big, is it every year there's a big deal made by the league that they bring in George Toma. Have you heard that name before? Is he the guy from USGA? No. No, he's not from USJ. Okay. George Toma has been around. He, he, he's been a, a stadium guy, handles the field. He, he did Kansas the City. Like I think he did the Chiefs. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the Marquis, the Marquis de Sade, right? Yeah. So he's 94. He's been doing this forever, right? Yeah. He's been doing this forever. He, he had Kansas City for the longest time, and the weird part was for the longest time, the Chiefs and the Royals both had turf stadiums. So I'm like, I don't know how you get a reputation being the Marquis de Sade. you got a turf stadium. That's a whole other story. He's been brought in every year, okay? And I know he gets a lot of credit for, I think, getting, you know, candlestick ready for an NFC Championship game and all that. But that was also his group that in Miami years ago, Cincinnati, San Francisco, when the field burned out, do you remember that? And Tim Crumrine's mm-hmm. leg almost came off. That was his crew, okay? I mean, every time I'm hearing all these different things that go on with the field and they're always trumpeting with George Toma, 
I'm struggling that George Tome was truly the marquee decide <laughs> because I keep hearing these field issues. You keep saying you're bringing in this guy and his group, yet we're having field issues. Am I missing something somewhere? Yeah, that's you're right. And, and, and guys were you know? all over the place. Yeah. They were all over the place. And it's so mm-hmm. funny how everyone's talking about the field. But prior to all we talk about is the marquee's here. Hey, we got it. And then after <laughs> the game, it's like it's never discussed. Yeah. But, well, how come no one's got the marquee and his crew in front of us telling us what went wrong? I'd like. Looked, I think we deserve some answers for that. Uh, it looked pretty on television, though, Charles. That's for sure. Oh God, it was gorgeous. It's absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Painted well, and they, they even had cheap spelled correctly, unlike the commercials <laughs> years ago where the guy missed it. So. <laughs> Ah, oh, man. Uh, I got to ask you a little bit about the game and kind of a legacy question here as well. Travis Kelsey catches all six of his targets, the one touchdown, uh, over 80 yards receiving it. It wasn't his best playoff game that we've seen, but yeah. how does this solidify the, the kind of tandem of Mahomes and Kelsey as far as not only just best quarterback tight end, but quarterback and pass catcher that we've seen? Yeah, one of the all-time greats. There's no getting around it. Because, as you mentioned, he caught all six targets. He had 80-something yards. He had a touchdown. But he also contributed to two other touchdown passes without catching the ball. Hmm. Because you're going to kick your coverage that way. And if you go back and run back the film and the tape, you know the two whip routes the, 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 you know where, where they went in motion and then pivoted and went back out and caught the, the, the wide-open passes. First, Kadarius Tony, mm-hmm. Then I think it was um, Sky Moore, yep. right? Same route, opposite sides, but if you go back and watch the tape, as the coverage began and the play developed, the green shirts populated themselves towards Travis Kelsey, and rightly so. It's just like a basketball game. It's like a hockey game. Your best score in key situations, you're going to make sure there's more attention. If someone else beats you, you sleep a lot easier at night. If your best, if the best score of the other team beats you, then you're an idiot because you didn't put enough people on them. Duh, of course that's where it's going. The puck's going there. The ball's going there. You get it. That's what happened on both of those good calls by Kansas City. Don't get me wrong because those routes, I mean, how wide open were they? Because both times the corners thought as they went inside, surely they're not going to pivot and come back outside, and they did and nailed them both times. But the coverages were kicked towards Kelsey. So it's not just being a great receiver and catching the ball. It's what you allow other people to do if given an opportunity, and the Chiefs took care of that and, 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 and got it done. But I want to go back to Kelsey's first t- the, the touchdown he scored. Yeah. If you get a chance, go back and plug in that play and watch him on the route. Three moves on the route to escape double coverage. Okay, I don't care how many people you kick to him. I think he wakes up in the middle of the night and says, okay, if they kick two people at me, I can beat them on this route with this move. If they kick three people at me, eh, okay, yeah, that'd be kind of fun because I throw this last thing on my route and then I'll be open. Remember, remember the route where he ran across the field early in the ball game and Mahomes delivered? Yes. He emerged from a bracket coverage to catch the football, meaning there was a, receiver, a defender underneath, and a defender over the top bracketing him as he went across the field, and Mahomes threw to a spot and let Kelsey accelerate from between the two of them and catch the football. Double coverage is not daunting to them. Double coverage is is a challenge. Triple coverage, that might be fun. Let's try that one out a little bit. So that's why everybody says, why don't you ever stop this guy? They add to their arsenal as they go along. The one thing I would say is, I don't think people jump him enough at the line of scrimmage. Mm. 
I would really want to put more of a body on him at the line of scrimmage and make him hand fight his way to the second level. But Kansas City's slick, too. They know that. Have you seen how many times they either put him in motion or they, or they stack him behind one or two receivers to make sure you can't get hands on him at the line of scrimmage? And they, count, and they added one other counter in this game. Instead of him lining up as a normal in-line tight end, you know, right on the end of the line of scrimmage, they brought another tight end in, put him in that spot, put Kelsey in that spot, and brought the other tight end outside of him. Hmm. So now he's almost flanking him and protecting him. And now you've got an extra receiver on that side you've got to deal with. And he would almost hesitate a count, let some traffic go, and then sift his way through traffic to get into his routes. Kansas City is very slick in what they do. But if I'm other teams, I'm trying to find ways to chip him at the line of scrimmage and slow him down and throw off his timing. Easier said than done. Very easy to say sitting here at my house. You know, I just chip him. And they're like, yeah, we've tried that. It's not as easy as you said. Wanted to ask as well, uh, just got to ask you about it, the flag at the end of the game there, uh, the holding call on the Eagles that, you know, and Andy Reid plays it well. McKinnon goes down on the one-yard line. They run out the clock. They end the game. Uh, just a thought on how it kind of came down, because I, I think our 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 read was that it was maybe a little bit of a letdown to such an amazing game. Right. No, no, you're not wrong. I think your read is spot on. It is a letdown for fans, because what we were, as a fan, I'm taking my analyst hat out of it, right? This is a football fan. Here's the climactic last drive. Kenzie takes ball, what, 5.15 on the clock, I believe? And... I'm going to throw analysts in very quickly. I said to my, I said to Ian, I said, Patrick Mahomes' goal is for Philadelphia never to touch this ball again. Okay? For him, it's Harrison Bucker kicking the ball through the post as the clock's hit zero. Or he falls into the end zone as the clock's hit zero. They don't ever want him to touch it again. So that's how they're going to fashion this drive. Duh. Like, everybody kind of figures that out. But as a fan, what you're hoping is they make that drive and there's enough time that Philadelphia has that last counter. You know, because that really brings the Super Bowl down to down to the deal. So either Kansas City goes down and gets points, Philadelphia gets the ball. Kansas City goes down, Philadelphia stops, and Philadelphia gets the ball. You see what I'm talking about? Everybody wants to end with a real last drive where we're all on our feet, we're roaring, we're this, we're that. I totally get it. Yes, it's a bit of a letdown. When a guy takes the ball and he's wide open, he gets to the corner, and he slides in the second to stop the clock, you're like, that doesn't feel right. That's not how you want to see the game end. But it's a smart play, obviously, for Kansas City. That's the way you want to finish it off. Now let's get to the call. He hooked him. (laughs) He grabbed him. Mm -hmm. Was it egregious? Eh, we can fight on that all day. Was it enough for a call? I'll fight you all day. Absolutely it was enough for a call. In fact, if you go back in the first quarter, Juju Smith-Schuster ran a crossing route I believe with Bradbury, and he got away with it. No call. Mm. Bradbury goes to the podium after the game and goes, I held him. It was a hold. In fact, he destroyed the English language. He said, it was a holding <laughs> instead of just it was a hold. <laughs> it was a holding, but here's the key phrase. But I thought they'd let it go. But he was not saying he didn't do it. And I know Philadelphia fans are having a stroke. I know football fans are having a stroke. You can't call that in that situation. Okay, my question to everyone is very simply, when are we going to be able to pick which is the right one to call and which is the right one not to call? When you figure that part out, you let me know. Because 
if you're the Philadelphia fan and Derek Nadi lines up offside on your sneak and they stop the sneak and you don't get it because remember when he did and they got the cheap first down and he, and he jumped a little bit inside, they called it. Eagles get a cheap first down. I ain't seen anybody upset over that. But what if what, what if he lines up offside? They stop the sneak. You think Eagles fans go? Well, you know, you don't call that in that situation. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works. It's just not how the game is played. You can't just pick and choose when and where. How this is a, no, this is an okay time to let them play. This is not an okay time to let them play. If I'm Kansas City, I'm screaming. Lane Johnson came out of his stance two or three times early in pass rushing situations to slow down my pass rush. Never call. Orlando Brown comes out of his early called so human error comes into it as well but i'm okay with that call being made there because it absolutely was not because it was you know the wrong situation i understand other people would disagree i feel bad that the game ended like that but i can't help that part i can't say well don't call it there and now kansas city's in a, a, a fourth down situation longer field goal here you have to go that doesn't make any sense to me uh, Charles, unfortunately, uh, we're really low on time, but I want to ask you two things really quickly. Number one, okay, I'm going to give you that. a stat that I don't know if you're aware of. The last 17 quarterbacks who lost their Super Bowl debut never went back to the big game. Wow, that's a great stat. I did know that, but remember the last nine that won the MVP lost the Super yeah. Bowl. Mahomes shattered, Mahomes shattered that one the other night. Plus, the passing leader during the season lost the Super Bowl. He shattered that the other night. So, so Hurts can shatter that record, too. Yeah, I, I mean, he probably will. And number two, uh, where's Aaron Rodgers going, and where's the best spot for Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I think everybody really wants him to get to New York if he's going to make a move. I really, you know... I've always thought staying in Green Bay would be the right thing, but it almost feels like it's tenuous now. So if he gets to New York, that would be fun because that'd be fantastic for the league. Him in New York with a Jets defense like that, their chance to make a big move in a, in a, in a short amount of time as he plays and plays the string out. To me, that one would be a whole lot of fun. I'd like him better there than I would like him in Vegas. And that division with the Bills and the Dolphins and the Patriots, that would be exactly how much. How much fun would that be? Because, listen, Ooh. the Giants got back to the playoffs this year. The league loved that. Could you imagine yep. Aaron Rodgers in New York with the Jets with a chance to get good? Oh, boy. That'd yeah. be fun. And, and and then we'd have, you know, everybody would have four nights of darkness parties, you know? Absolutely. If he goes to the Jets, all the Jets fans would celebrate by taking four nights where they'll turn off their phones and just live in virtual darkness. They'll be excited. Yeah, I, I think they would do that to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, Charles, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on during this football season. We thank you for your time, and uh, we'll check in with you if something really big happens, okay? That sounds good, you know, and, and you know, if you want to check in with me around the Stanley Cup Finals, I'm down for that, okay? Yeah, okay. Yes. We got you. All right. All right. Okay. Thanks, Charles. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always about that. You guys have been terrific. Thank <laughs> you for everything. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Charles. Best. Bye-bye. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Terrific the entire football season. Um, I just can't believe we talked that much about turf, but it was an issue. It was. It was. It was like the Super uh, Great Cup up in Edmonton a few years back, George. When it was frozen? When it was the skating rink. Yeah. Because the Elks missed the playoffs, then they decided not to take care of it for two weeks. Yeah.
Uh, the indoor soccer field I play on in Calgary is heated. Is it? Yeah. The Stamps do have a heated practice field now, but yeah, I don't think they use it for games. Not big enough. Um, Charles is great. Uh, we still got an hour to go on our portion of our show before we hand it over to Big Show Mucho with uh, the flying solo, Patrick Dumont. He's not doing enough on the show, so he's got a host. And are you opping your own show at 9 o'clock, too? Yeah, probably. Okay, no big deal. Yeah, no big um, deal. Intern John's going to have our stat with how many times the Flames have carried a shutout into the third period uh, this season. We'll talk to Matt Marchese, Shai Davidi, and still taking your text messages, 960-960. What's your current relationship status with Jacob Markstrom? It's all straight ahead. Big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.